Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, creating a community where black and queer folks are fearless in thought and curious at heart. I'm one of your hosts, Iman, and today, Jordan, Tony, and I are discussing parenting in black communities. Is discipline or freedom more valuable when raising children? What do we wish our parents knew to better manage our queer identities? This is Parents Just Don't Understand. I'm going to kick it to Tony to bring our guest in. <laughs> um, yeah, parents, they, they do not understand. Is that, was that uh, Will Smith? It was a Will, it Smith. Was, yes. Will Smith. Yes, yeah. take us back. <laughs> um, but no, like, as as you all know, we, we try to bring in guests that will really add value to the subject matter in which we're covering. And today is no different. So we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Lulu, also known as the momatrician, who is a Nigerian-born U.S. Air Force veteran pediatrician, and mom of a transgender young adult. She is a two-time TEDx speaker, best-selling author, youth suicide prevention activist, and award-winning LGBTQIA advocate. And in the time she has left over, she's also an indie film actress and hosts of two podcasts. I mean, we really need to step our game up. <laughs> like, it's giving. So today we would like to welcome Dr. Lulu to our Surface Level family. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are hey, you? Hey. <laughs> and you forgot that I'm a radio talk show host. <laughs> and, and a radio talk show many host. Many more, yes. And many more. <laughs> the list goes on and on. I like, love it. It's, it's, it's actually putting us to shame. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's fair to just summarize it with that phrase, black girls rock. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> multi-hyphenate well, to the max well we are going to we and on our show we typically kick off with a game so that the listeners can get to know a bit more about you and then we have a bit of fun so and it's always themed off of our topic so today's game is called get the belt or let's <laughs> talk about it and it is interesting scenarios that kids have put their parents in and we want to know how some of our hosts would respond and how you'd respond. <laughs> My grandmother would say, get the switch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first scenario, a little sister act two. You find out your, your child has signed a permission slip to go on a field trip that you said they could not go to. <laughs> Dr. Lulu, I'm, we're going to come to the mom first. What, what's happening over there? You get the switch or you want to talk about it? I'm going to just say, don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Tony. <laughs> I would like to get the switch <laughs> and then talk about it. <laughs> um, that's forgery. <laughs> Hello? That is punishable among, uh, under the law. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I will probably talk it out while they're facing the corner. Oh. Facing the wall. <laughs> Psychopath. <laughs> Y'all don't have to face the wall? We're going to talk about that later on. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so next scenario. Uh you found out that when you were out of town, your teenager was dipping into your alcohol stash. <laughs> Jordan? Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it because Chill. I think that teenagers, <laughs> you know, that's the age where you start exploring. You probably watch Euphoria, you know. <laughs> Let's have a conversation about <laughs> it. The girl's doing that smack at Jordan's house. <laughs> <laughs> no, the girls are not doing that girls smack at my house. Ramp. No, that's when we got to fight. Okay, <laughs> Going ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Lulu? Yeah, um, let's have a drink. Let's all just drink <laughs> and um, see who goes down first. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think let's I think let's talk about it because there's a there's a reason why there's a reason behind it. So let's talk about it all as right. we drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I like that approach. It's giving you want to drink. All right, I'm gonna show you how to drink. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a valuable lesson in talking about it, and, and and you can teach them a lesson in other ways. I agree. All right. So you are disciplining your child, and they start yelling back at you. Tony. Get the switch. <laughs> Get the switch. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you got to pop them and let them know, like, listen, authority rules. It's not ironclad, but, <laughs> but we're not going to do <laughs> what we're not going to do. I ain't one of your little friends. I'm absolutely not one of your little friends. I'm like, only people that pay bills get to raise their voice in this house. <laughs> and even then, there's a limit. Yes. Dr. Lulu. So even as I teach a class called Parenting Without Yelling, so obviously the answer is I'm not going to even be raising my voice already. Oh. So no one is going to be raising their voices. 
um, this is the, the, the now me or the me now. The old <laughs> me would have probably raised my voice, but I know better now. Mm -hmm. No one is raising voices anymore in my home. So yeah, we won't even get to that. But if we got to that, we'll just do a screaming match and see who can yell the loudest. Jordan. Uh-uh. 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 You will not <laughs> be screaming at me <laughs> in my house. All right, house, um, house, but you know, house. you know, I, I don't really like to raise my voice either, Doctor Lulu. Um, <laughs> oh, the kids are passive aggressive. Kids, so, kids and the parents, right? <laughs> We're both ignoring each other. Morning, M. <laughs> All right, next scenario: you find out that your freshman is dating a senior. How do you respond, Jordan? Is this high school? High or school, college? High school high school in college those grown adults they, right they that's what i was going to say like you know live your life um eh, i don't know about i mean i'm not i'm definitely not like you know getting the belt or getting the switch it's a talk because mm -hmm. that's a um i don't know that's a that's a big one for me i don't i don't like that mm. Tony, yeah, I think for me, um, we gonna we gonna sit down and talk about it and hash it out. But the the boy's gonna be over here too. He's gonna get a talking to, and I gotta know who this is. Exactly. I got I got a, I got a grill. Oh them. yeah, all of them. Everybody, yeah. we all yes. have to talk. All of them. <laughs> That's what we're doing, Doctor Lulu. I think household. we I think we got your answer. I'm actually going to do parent to parent. At this mm. Yeah, I'm gonna do parent to parent first, and then. Mm -hmm. parent to child i'm not talking to your kid without you knowing what i'm talking about to your kid because your kid is gonna you know mend the narrative mm -hmm. so i'm gonna talk to you first then we two of us are gonna talk to the kids mm -hmm. together we're gonna be it's gonna be more effective that way parent to parent and then parents to kids yes That's what all I'm right saying. all right so we got a few more you go to the store you say, don't touch nothing. <laughs> the kid immediately starts running around, picking stuff up. Dr. Lulu. Um, I mean, you get a yell at that point. <laughs> you get a yell for multiple, for multiple reasons. It happened to me when, when one time we went to Charleston, South Carolina, and I always had the kids put their hands in their pockets whenever we go into a store for a reason. And on the way out, and then my, one of my elders, I think my was, my eldest kid said, Mom, look, did you see that these earrings were broken and then somebody put it back? And so I said, well, what should we do? So we went and talked to the owners of the store. So we found this earring that was broken and they turned around and said, my kid did it, you know? Mm -hmm. So don't touch. I that mean, way. after Better Business Bureau was called, the store got shut down. But the point oh, is, don't touch yes. listen, I, w my I would kid, like to, my, my, yeah, I would like <laughs> to think I could give my child a stern look and they know better and if right. that doesn't work i'll <laughs> shake them up real quick <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. that ought to do the do the trick yeah i think i'm giving a crazy <laughs> eye and a real tight yeah. lip because don't do that in, in public don't be yeah, acting all crazy know. screaming around yeah. now i gotta sit here and we have to do home training outside of the home mm -hmm. it's too much child you know one thing that people that don't look like let's do that i've always been like that's a smart idea put them little blue leashes on them uh, oh my yank them back <laughs> no. not a leash around the neck no it's like a little backpack it's like around it, it the body yeah, like, belt it looks yeah. like a little like a little, little teddy bear little yes. teddy bear on the back, the back. Ooh, and then yes, they, yes. i don't like seeing no. those snatch the life of you. right all right i know two more so you are your your kids getting to know language a bit more and they start to curse in front of you. Mm. Jordan. Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Um if they are using the profanity in the, you know, in the way of storytelling, that's a conversation. Now, if they saying shut the fuck up, bitch, to me, <laughs> while I'm trying to get them to clean their room, that we're fighting mm -hmm. again <laughs> so I'm, I'm at the put my paws on them mm -mm. see that's how it starts you let them you let them <laughs> curse in your house the storytelling mm -hmm. and next thing we know well you can story tell you know that's you and know now you, you the story a... being told <laughs> dr lou <laughs> <laughs> what age is the child because um, we sometimes forget that a 17 oh, right. year old an 18 year old they're, they're they're a little older let's let's say like but a they're cursing at a preteen person like 12. i feel like that's when you yeah. No, oh, all right now. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, that. that's not even happening in my house. I mean, no, we don't do, we don't do the soap thing. 
but I heard that some people eat cilantro and it tastes like soap. So you're going to be having cilantro rice. <laughs> but um, no, I, I don't even, honestly, that's not going it, to, it's not going to happen in my house. So I, I want to pass on it because it's not, it's just not. <laughs> it's like, it's not unfathomable. It's not a, it's not yeah, a possibility. It's not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not. It's that's, not. that's my answer too. It's, it's unfathomable. unfathomable. It's not. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So last one. Uh, your child gets angry with you and decides they're going to run away down the street to a friend's home. Get the bill or you're going to talk it out. Tony. I'm going to let them go ahead and, and run away. Run away, love. <laughs> and see how long they last. Hello. <laughs> I ain't going to go after them. I ain't going to. And then we, we'll have a talk when they realize I have to explain a few things. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's, I don't know if that's a beating. That's more of like Mm-mm. a. Life going to beat them down. <laughs> now you in the streets with no job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's it. Um, same. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to let them, let them go. That seems like a, a really big moment in a, in a child's life to make the decision to run away from home. So I'm gonna let them sit with that for a little bit (laughs) and we can have a more meaningful conversation afterwards. (laughs) Dr. Lulu. So I know this is going to sound cliche, but it really depends because in Nigeria, where I'm from, if you do that, the auntie's house you ran to is going to start beating you from their house (laughs) when we say it takes a village we're not joking the auntie will start the beating over there and then bring you back pull you back with your ears and then we can have the full conversation at home so or i'll call the aunt i said okay it's so and so over there you know what to do and that's it we'll pass the baton um so that's what i'll do i think i think I don't, I, forget, I don't know the name of the, the, the person who said it's a big moment. Obviously, a child running away is never sentinel. It's never just, it just happened. It's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. series of unfortunate events that have led to that. It's high trauma. And ideally, you should not engage at that point because that is a child running away from danger. Kids, are, they never run away from something that is positive. So if a mm. child is running away, that's a cardinal sign that there's danger where they're running away from mm-hmm. so that's huge on that parent to go back and do a lot of thinking yeah. and ask yourself why is your kid running away that's huge in today's world again like mm-hmm. i said growing up in nigeria there's like oh my god knee jerk knee jerk but truly when a child runs away that is extreme that means that there's huge huge trauma going on from where the child is running away from. Mm-hmm. So um, just for the parents listening, on a more serious note, if your kid ever runs away, it's never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Lulu, we ask all of our guests, uh, what are you curious about? Honestly, right now, I'm curious about how the Supreme Court judges sleep de la noche. Like how mm-hmm. are they able to sleep at night with just, they literally just, knock down the beehive or bees harness nest and just and go to sleep at night that really keeps me up why how are mm-hmm. you able to sleep at night about doing mm. such a thing or these things that they're doing so yeah thank you all right so i'm really excited about today's convo i'm really excited like to continue talking to our guests it, it's funny we found her like almost a year ago when Mm -hmm. we did the HRC live. Yeah. And we had this topic on um, like our running list of things we want to talk about for a while. And then Mm -hmm. she sent us an email. I was like, Hey, I just saw you on the thing and I do X, Y, and Z. And we were like, yes, we were like, we were we're done for the season. (laughs) We'll be back in the spring, but we would definitely have you on. And we're uh, almost nine months later, really, really excited for her to be here. Yeah, Yeah. Um, It's always nice when that happens. when Something comes full circle from from someone bringing up a topic and us actually coming back around to be able to like have the conversation with them. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start here. I think there's been a lot of discussion around discipline uh, within our communities, but also around freedom. And I think we've gotten a lot of new examples of how people are parenting, specifically in black communities. Uh, What do you all think is the more valuable asset uh, in raising children? And Dr. Lulu, we're actually going to start with you. Um, Discipline or guidance? So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to do an either or, and that's just mm. the honest to good, just knowing what I know, it's, it's a little bit of both. And then also 
depends on what you define as discipline. Mm -hmm. I think most people's definition of discipline is abuse, and that's actually not correct. Yelling at a kid or cursing at a kid is truly not discipline. That is just trauma that's been handed down from your parents to you and you thinking it's okay to hand it down to your own kids. And I'm just going to start by saying one of my favorite quotes that I made up is if trauma can be handed down through generations, healing can also be handed down through generations. So it doesn't have to be what we in the black community, in the Latino community, call discipline, which is beating up a child or leaving a mark on the kid. And sometimes you see scars from whip marks. That is extreme. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. just not acceptable. So I, you know, that's, if that's a definition of discipline, then I'm not going to sign off on that. So it definitely has to be a combination of both. I'm actually coincidentally teaching, a, I'm having an event on the 30th of July called Vulnerability in Parenting Workshop, where we're going to dig into our parents' way of raising us was it really mm -hmm. the way mm -hmm. my father who's a two-star general loving to pieces i never saw any sign of vulnerability any kind of emotional anything like it was just stoic all the time what is that honestly if i might even say that it, that was bullshit because when i grew up i'm like wait that was wrong because i'm here trying to parent these kids and i don't know half of the stuff Mm. But growing up, our parents made us feel like they knew everything. And, and you, you as a child have this pressure to perform, to be perfect, to be awesome all the time. But nobody's like that. And so let's go back and look at really, truly, how do parents with emotional intelligence, how do you parent with self-awareness? Your kid can teach you a whole lot. <laughs> like my kid just came and saved the day with the computer. I mean, just something as simple <laughs> as that. So Tony, di uh, discipline or, or freedom in raising children? Yeah, no, I think it's it's funny enough because I actually have the same or come from the same school of thought as Dr. Lulu. I was thinking that there needs to be a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Like children need guardrails, but yeah. they also need the freedom to be able to navigate and explore and come into themselves. And I think about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett and how they raised Jaden and Willow. And they turned out to be decent human beings, in my opinion. Of <laughs> course, that's under... Um, um, the microscope, which is even another Harder. layer that, you know, the average uh, civilian doesn't have to deal with. And lastly, on this note, I'll just say that, like, when you suppress someone's freedom of expression, mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, those end up being the worst ones. So <laughs> I'd rather just let my yeah. kid explore and, and be who they are. But also, there's a combination there. Yeah. Jordan? You know, when I immediately heard this question, um, my mind went to freedom. To freedom! To freedom! <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but seriously, I grew up in a pretty untraditional household. So I grew up with my mother in the household, um, as well as my aunt and my cousin. So mm -hmm. essentially two different immediate families living underneath one um, household. So even though my cousin and I were one year apart in age, we were parented. We, we, we had two different approaches to how we were being parented mm -hmm. and I noticed that I had a lot more freedom than he did, mm -hmm. which is strange. We shared a, we shared a bedroom, you know? So like there were things that I could go to because my mom allowed me to mm -hmm. and things that he couldn't go to because his mom didn't allow him to. And we lived in the same house. And I think, oh. I think back on that experience and, and just thinking, you know, I understood where um, his mother was coming from. Certainly we grew up in a, you know, a, an environment that wasn't the most safe mm -hmm. And um, I think that there was a lot of concern around just us being outside of the home, especially after dark. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that because I was able to move around more freely, I think that um, I had an easier time sort of transitioning into my post high school experience. Responsible. Yeah. Kind of learned that. Exactly. And my, my mother allowed me to sort of um, explore and when I sort of overstepped boundaries, she took away liberties. But when I proved that I could stand up to the occasion, she gave me more liberties. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really good approach. And it's something that I, you know, I plan on passing down to my kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just think, I think everybody's hit on that level of balance. And it's something that Dr. Lulu mentioned, but I just wanted to highlight. Treating children as full of human beings. Yeah, Like they have feelings, they have thoughts, they have dreams, aspirations, things that make them sad, things that make them happy. Um, and yes, they're developing, but like, aren't we all developing? 
aren't we still developing as adults? Like we all yeah. look at kids like, well, you all are developing and I'm an adult and I know everything. Right. I'm just like, no, actually we're <laughs> all should still continuously be learning from birth to being whatever y'all do at the end. Die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think recognizing um, children, youth in that way is, is, is really valuable and important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, let's talk about discipline for a mm-hmm. second here. And, and I want us to go back to, childhood and how we were disciplined and i want to talk about and get from you guys like what do you think about your experience as it relates to discipline and what seemed normal or what may have seemed to be normal at the time but in retrospect you realize it wasn't all that normal mm-hmm. it's probably a little bit unhealthy in fact dr dr lulu what about you how were you raised what was discipline in the household for you when growing up? Um, I was raised in a typical Nigerian household, which is a combination of verbal, um, what they call harsh verbal discipline, AKA, you know, just verbal abuse and um, get the whip. But it wasn't, it wasn't too much. It, it really truly wasn't. I would not even say, maybe I got whipped maybe a couple of times, but so I, I'm not a typical Nigerian child in that aspect. My parents just were not huge whoopers as for, so to say but but raining the curses and calling your names yeah and you know sometimes that's worse yeah. because i remember i remember the names that my mm-hmm. parents called me i remember them to this day now did that necessarily stop me from doing the same thing with my kids i think in a sense you know it was like yeah we're kind of playing but then we're not playing. We're really calling our kids names, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm Nigerian, I'm Igbo, obviously. So, I mean, I don't know if y'all know that, but there's some things that they will say to you in Igbo, like, you know, may the gods of thunder strike you, things like that. That's just like, really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh-huh. What if thunder really strikes you? What happens? Oh you my know? God. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't think it was, I don't think it was necessary. No. Mm-mm. That, what about that yelling and calling names, no. Mm-mm. What about you, Daman? Anything that from your childhood ex- experience? Yeah. I, I, there was this very specific moment I remember getting caught, like, being playful with a boy. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it that. <laughs> you could call uh, it. We, we know what it is. Right. <laughs> but I remember my mom caught us, and then she told my dad, and my dad, like, whooped me. I had the whole, like, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve speech. Mm. And, like, for people that met my dad later on in like our journey together that may be surprising and how I've talked about how accepting he was of me as an adult and all these things. Um, but I remember and then like the question was how, things that we thought were normal that, that in retrospect weren't like, I, I think that, yeah, there's a conversation needs to be had if like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing in a house, but there's also a conversation that should be had. That's not, damning person for being queer mm. and my dad at that stage in his life was more upset with the fact that i was queer than i was doing something in the house yeah, um, got that. yeah. and that was something that like for a long time i thought oh my god this is normal i have to figure out how to stop thinking this way i have to figure out how to let go of this attraction and i have to figure out how to be a good straight christian god-fearing person that like does all these things mm. that was in no way reflective of who i am today yeah um and and that was the thing that I, I think and, and like to Dr. Lou's point, things that that stick with you that you remember. Like I I, I remember what I was wearing that day. Like it, it's that that um, seared into like my mental of like what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things can scar. And luckily, I was able to heal and grow. And we our relationship obviously mended. But that was definitely something that was weird. That shit got real wild. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that sounds wild. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> What about you, Jordan? What um, what childhood experiences so seem normal then, but so I, I didn't really get um, like beatings or whippings. Explains um, a lot. And <laughs> although although a lot of my like similar aged like cousins they did, um, it didn't really happen to me. Mm-hmm. But um, that's, why, that's why they don't like you, huh? Hell, Jordan don't <laughs> never get in trouble. His mama let him go everywhere. Yeah. Listen, they, <laughs> they resented you, child. Listen, they don't call me golden child for nothing in my family. Now they call him golden. Um, they do. All the cousins sitting at home. Nobody calls him that. They do. They actually call me. <laughs> they actually call me Goldie. Um, but Goldie. no. But seriously. <laughs> 
but unless of course you repressed it so much that you forgot me well there were definitely experiences when i was very young but i think mm. that once i hit maybe like eight ten mm -hmm. they didn't happen at all and i rem not vaguely not vaguely i mm -hmm. really remember like other family members going through that um so i'm an i'm my mother's only child and she isn't really a physical person at all mm. i remember one specific time where i got in trouble and um she slapped my hand three times. I was kind of old for that too. And I was trying to <laughs> hold back a laugh because I was just like, oh my goodness, I, re I really do feel bad. Like, I don't want to do it again because you really, that took a lot for you to slap my hand. Um, but I just say that to say just like how non-physical my mother was growing up. Mm. But what she did do that I thought was normal that I look back on now and I realized that it wasn't helpful is that her form of punishment was silent treatment. So whenever I did anything that was disappointing or whenever I did anything that was wrong, she just wouldn't speak to me. Mm. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. for days at a time. And I look back on how I, how I manage conflict today mm -hmm. and my form of punishment for people who I have conflict with is to withdraw mm -hmm. and to not engage and to ice them out. And I'm realizing that <laughs> that's, extremely unhealthy oh my goodness. and so um yeah it was one of those it's 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 it's, it's one of those things you know like it doesn't feel great to feel ignored mm -hmm. as a child with the person that you feel you're the closest with um at that time and you know that's something that i'm hypersensitive around now especially with friends bringing that to my attention mm -hmm. you know recently like in the last few years mm -hmm. so yeah I, for, for me i'm i'm like fortunate enough to where like jordan i didn't i didn't get beatings you know my and my mom didn't have any like wild and crazy tactics um about you know <laughs> by which to like punish me and <laughs> i was no saint but overall i think i was really a good kid and i i avoided that kind of conflict like i didn't want that in my life and i was just like going about my business mm -hmm. um however i do think that there's a level of you know discipline that needs to happen because every now and again like i know that i deserve to be popped but my mother, <laughs> just, my mother just didn't um but i think that when you think about like the verbal and the physical like trauma that that takes place like that can really mess with your a child's long-term development oh absolutely you know what i'm saying and like when jordan like but this didn't come from my mother but your story made me think of my Aunt crystal where she, when i was a kid one time she bought me this bike and i took the bike home to Virginia um, and then I think I didn't want the bike anymore and like so we returned it I forgot what we did with the bike my Aunt Crystal stopped talking to me <laughs> and that's her that to this day that's how she is like when you done something like get on her nerves she will just like cut you off for a while and I'm like yeah. now that I look back I'm like that's that wasn't healthy and as a kid right. and she's my like favorite person like I had to like call her like call your Aunt Crystal like and then don't I, come and then come back and don't even address the fact that we haven't been speaking right like hey I'm like is it safe now? Do we just go? Right. I guess we just go back to do. And that's how my family resolve things. They ignore each other until it blows over. And then they try to say like, oh, are you hungry? I can make your plate. I'm, I'm like, not this eating is, that poison food I'm like, you? this is crazy to me. <laughs> Ciao. Well, let's talk about um, our development. Mm -hmm. And like, as a queer child, we know different things affected our development. And so I want to talk about our thoughts on managing the development of queer children while also recognizing their true feelings regarding gender and sexuality. And Mon, you kind of hinted on this a little bit earlier. So yeah. you want to start? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I really like this question because my answer was really simple. It was, I think, allowing people the space and the recognition that they are who they are today and that can change maybe tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's the thing that when we talk about queer identity and development, that we talk about it as if it's a destination and not just a journey and not a journey. Okay. Like one day I may think I grew up and I'm thinking, Oh, I'm like, I remember when I first came out, I was like, Oh, I'm bi. Okay. That's how I felt in that moment. And I think that should have been recognized and not put down as like, Oh, that's not how you really feel. Yeah. That's yeah. just segwayances. Then at some point I was like, I'm gay. And if you ask me today, I would say I'm queer. And I think that that journey of my sexuality uh, is something that has been valuable to me in understanding it. And it's been something that I wish was treated with more respect across that journey. Mm -hmm. And not yeah. just people saying, okay, well, when you gonna get to the end? Like, what's the oh final answer? The answer may be different in 10 more years. 
Yeah. And I think that is the respect that we don't give sexuality, gender identity, um, in children or as adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that to me is something just like understand that what, what may be true today is true today. Mm -hmm. It may not be true even tomorrow. And right. that's okay. Now, Dr. Lulu, you're the parent of a transgender young adult. So what are your thoughts on the development of queer children and recognizing their true feelings and, you know, regarding gender and sexuality? Like, how did you deal with that? Let's correct that. I'm the Nigerian-born Catholic <laughs> mother of a transgender adult. It, 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 we need to mention that because it is part of who I am. In Nigeria today, I don't know that in the eastern part where I come from, I don't know that it's necessarily a death penalty, but definitely in the northern part where I went to school at, it's literally a death penalty to, to be queer. So for me, I, I told my dad when I was 16, and he, yes, he waved it off and said, it's a phase. And like I said in my TED talk, I mean, I, you know, you, you just, you do what kids do, which is you believe your parent. <laughs> mm -hmm. You believe them. You just say, yeah, okay, sure. And then 26 years later, I was like, you know, this feeling is not going away. And initially, I like, like um, I don't know, Damon, I thought it was, I thought I was a lesbian. And then I realized that I like Halle Berry and I like Michael Ely. So I guess I'm bi, <laughs> but now I prefer to just go by queer because it's really because it's one syllable, honestly. It's just easier than LGBTQIA. I don't have anything wrong with that, but I just like queer. But also, also I'm, I'm huge for like rooting for the underdog. And once I heard that the word queer had been like negative, I'm like, oh, that's the word that I want. Mm. And so now I go by queer. As far as my own child, truth be told, I knew when she was, I don't know, nine to 18 months, I said to my mom, I said, I think this baby is gay. She was like, oh my God, get the holy water. No, no, don't <laughs> say that again, ever. And I was like, what? I said, okay, but I'm telling you, I just knew, I just knew. And then um, it didn't help though, that's the thing. And one mm. of the things that we need to know is that we all are humans one and we do experience levels of internalized homophobia so mm -hmm. even as i knew that i was queer one of the, the my my the memoir that's coming out after the next other book comes out is called stop acting like a girl because that's the one constant sentence that i kept dishing out at my mm. eldest child non-stop mm. and then she would say well mom how do girls, like I said, the exact way you're acting right now is how girls act. And you're not a girl. And, and now I know better. Wow. But mm -hmm. then I, was, I did that out of desperation. I was like, God, please, I don't want my child to be gay. Please, I don't want, not my first child. Please, I don't want, no, and definitely not trans. You know, but I was like, don't be gay, don't be gay. And then God was like, hey, wait until you see what I have in stock for you. Okay, okay, <laughs> um, period. You think, it's, you think gay is bad? Wait, you're going to move to Texas and she's trans. Wow. So today, I think what I, I want parents to just understand is, just be happy for here and for now. And I'm saying this because I have made all the mistakes, so I don't want you to make the mistakes. Not because it was easy for me, but because it wasn't easy for me. You know, I, the day she said, mom, I'm trans, I literally took off running. I ran all the way to the mall, which is about three or four, maybe 10 miles up the road. And then when I stopped and I was panting, I looked back and there was fear and shame and disgust and anxiety and all of these emotions, they were right there with me. And so I had to make a tough decision. And then of course it didn't help that she said, mom, it's not about you. And I, and I was like, you know what, you're right, it's not about me. So parents, I want you to ask yourself the question, what does my child want from me today? And if you keep that question right in your forefront and make it not about you, then you can see enough that maybe they just want a hug. Maybe they just want a listening ear. Maybe they want dinner. It may not be about anything else. Yeah. But sadly, when we hear LGBT, the first thing we think about is sex. Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. thinks that we have asexuals who do not really care about sex. Mm -hmm. We have a trans child who really, truly, their issue is not their sexuality. And so all of these things, and all, the only thing that can ban, uh, abolish it is just education. Just mm -hmm. we have to keep showing up and keep talking about it every day, all day. And maybe, just maybe, 
maybe, just maybe, we'll get to the people we need to get to before their kids get to the ledge and jump, mm. which is why I do what I'm doing. Yes. Oh my goodness, Doctor Lulu, you <laughs> you're about to pull a tear out of my <laughs> eye. Jordan, because, what do you have to add? Well, I mean, listening to you tell your story, Doctor Lulu, just really resonates with me because I do think that a big part of my just overall that that generation in my family that like are all my parents' age, I think there's a great deal of shame that comes with having a family member or a child who um, identifies as anything outside of cisgendered or heterosexual. And, you know, I think that when we're talking about the development of queer children, I think it's really like not being afraid to acknowledge that your child may be queer. Mm -hmm. Um, I see, you know, younger cousins of mine who are maybe like 14, 15, who I look at and I'm just like, this child is not heterosexual. (laughs) And... I still battle with like, am I supposed to be like, am I, can I talk to them about that? Or is that too much? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and, but it's not fair because mm-hmm. when you have a child at the same age who you believe to be heterosexual, yeah. you don't mind asking them questions about you the people the that they're dating mm-hmm. or the, go- the girlfriend or the boyfriend. But for some reason, when it's non heterosexual, you feel like you have to create, you have to make that part of them invisible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when it comes to the development of queer children, I think that it's not waiting until you have an openly queer child and that you're parenting. I think it's always advocating for inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so when you're when you're watching TV and there's a queer pr- character on the on the on the TV is being mindful about how you're talking about that character. I remember growing up. I'm not sure if my family knew at that point that I was queer. I, I think that everyone knew immediately. Um, but maybe they didn't know. Maybe the denial was that strong. But we will watch things like America's Next Top Model and Mrs. J will come on the, the TV screen mm-hmm. and, you know, show the girls how to walk and everything. Yeah. And the commentary that I would hear from my family, like, like, oh, this fag, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can never be safe mm-hmm. coming out in this environment. Like, I just have to get out of this environment. And so I think that... For parents who are parenting queer children, I think that it you can't wait until they're open mm. and they're out because they you have to you have to establish the, that you are a trusted space. person. Hello, mm-hmm. you're a trusted you're a safe space for someone to come out. Hello? I want to get a, like get away from the idea of coming out and really put it on other people to earn their spot to be let in to. Mm-hmm their kids lives or the children's lives around them i, I see dr lulu, lulu you are having you are having a <laughs> moment right now dr lulu oh yes 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 i'll, I'll have what she's having oh my god yes, yes invite in invite, invite in invited in listen wow well I mean, you know what? Because Jordan, everything that you're saying and, and Dr. Lulu's saying, like, I actually would like to take a moment Come to on. provide a, a little bit of like some mm-hmm. tips and, and, and helpful advice to parents that are dealing with, you know, their queer children that are developing and, and what they could possibly do. I found this on healthychildren.org. So when your child discloses their identity to you, respond in an affirming, supportive way. Try to understand what they're feeling and experiencing. Even if you disagree, they will need your help and support and validation to develop into healthy teens and adults. Don't minimize the social pressure or bullying that your child may be facing and make it clear that slurs or jokes based on gender and gender identity and sexual orientation are not tolerated. And lastly, support yourself, support your child's self-expression, engage in conversations with them around their choices of clothing and jewelry and hairstyle and friends and, and, and room decorations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, like I say, listen to your children. Mm -hmm. They are young adults. They don't know what the hell they're talking about all the time. But you've also got to learn not to dismiss what they're saying about how they're feeling and and when they're telling you who they are. Mm -hmm. And they get to decide who they are and nobody else. Mm -hmm. And they should be given that space to explore and be given it very openly. And lastly, it kind of goes to what Dr. Lulu's point was earlier, too, was that parents now more than ever need to do the scholarship. They need to learn about and get the education around sex, gender, and identity to Mm -hmm. be able to have conversations with their children. So, Absolutely. And um, 
Dr. Lulu, I, I love I love the passionate Amen. response. And, you know, the next question that we have is, and you already kind of touched on it. You kind of talked about your um, initial reaction to your, your eldest child um, expressing to you that they were transitioning. I wanted to know, like, further down the road in that process, you know, how did you accept that role? What, Like, how, how did you create that ongoing support for your child who was going through that, um, that, 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 that process and that, that journey. And so the information is actually only six months old. I know most people think that this has happened a long time ago. She just told me in December, literally at the end of December. So basically six months ago, she did say, mom, it's not about you. And the back of my book, the very first sentence is mom, it's not about you. And that hits me differently. And then I realized that my child who I know I raised right will thrive with or without me mm. in her life she will thrive it may be difficult at the beginning she may toddle a little bit she may fall a little bit but she will come back and so the decision was mine to make is she going to have an easier life toddling with me in it or without me i'm already the only parent that she has that was a decision it was not a hard decision because i'm also a queer person and once I decided that people who mind do not matter mm. and those who matter will never mind, I went ahead. I said, I'm going to support this kiddo and that's it. And once I made the decision, it's part of my A, B, C, D, E of accepting your child. The D is decide today that you're going to support your kid. That's it. Once I made the decision, it became easier. Just like when you want to ride a bike, you don't say, oh, I'm my fault. No, you say, I'm going to learn how to ride the bike. That's it. You don't focus on not learning that you're going to be focused on learning and so i love the things you were saying you know for me i want to i want to go even back a little bit when you are pregnant with your child that's it i'm having a child not yeah. i'm having a boy or a girl mm -hmm. change of mindset we have to start now to start saying i'm having a healthy child i want a healthy child.com that's it okay yeah. And then I love that you said the affirming, which is completely different than, than acceptance. What I don't agree with is try to understand. A lot of parents in my 2,500 strong parent support group on Facebook say the same thing. When I don't understand, well, you don't need to understand. The mm. truth is you don't understand every single thing. Your best friend is marrying that guy that you know you don't like and you know he's not good. You don't understand it, but you're at the wedding. Your best friend is marrying <laughs> You don't know why she's still working that job that you know the hours are bad. You don't understand it, but guess what? You're supportive. You still have lunch with her. The reason why parents say, I don't understand it, because it's the control factor because it's their child. So mm -hmm. they dig their heels in. The truth is, you don't understand. We're only using 10% of our brains. For goodness sake, we don't know many things. Yet we support the things that we can. Why? Because they're not, it's not our children. So the need to understand is irrelevant. Knowledge before understanding. Knowing that my child is queer, my child is gay, my child is bi, is more as una cosa muy importante, más yes. que comprender. <laughs> more important than understanding is to know. And then you look it up. Your child should never be your guru. Your child can be your guide, but not your guru. In other words, you gotta do this. You know what people, you know what black folks especially, we're okay with our cousins being gay, our best friend being gay, our neighbor being gay, but not our kid being gay. Black mm -hmm. folk, it's time for us to be normalizing the fact that our kid is gay. Here's the reason. When you see one queer child, you see other queer family members every single day. No, there's no gay gene, but it does run in the family. And so, why is it okay for Uncle Buck to be gay, but not little Susie? Why is it okay for you to see two kids playing in the sandbox and a boy and a girl and like, oh, maybe that's his girlfriend and you giggle and giggle. But if it's two boys, maybe that's his boyfriend, you attack the person who says that. Why is there that hypocrisy and that dichotomy of thoughts? Let us normalize the fact that being queer is normal. It is actually a normal thing. The problem is most parents make it about them. Mm -hmm. I made it about me. I said, it's something that I did wrong. 
I am at fault. I am ashamed. I am scared. I, I, me, me, me. But truly, I didn't do anything to create the beautiful human being. I have other family members that are very, very, very queer. So they, their parents didn't do anything wrong and neither did I. And I need parents to remove this abuse their minds from that idea that they did something wrong to create this child. And it comes from going back to Abrahamic religion and Western thoughts and Western cultures, because in the old days in Igbo land, women took wives and it was not anything abnormal. Then the white man came with his religion and said, oh, oh that's bad. Just like they did with the two spirits in the, in the, um, in the um, Native American culture or indigenous culture rather. Two spirits were like banished and they're bad and they're, they're not good for you. But really two-spirited individuals were the leaders, they were the teachers, they were the seers, they were the people who were leading the communities and teaching the communities and, and sacred people kept the customs. But the white people came and said, mm -mm, it's bad for you. As they stole our arts and crafts and our culture, and they were telling us that our customs are not good. And then they imposed the religion. And then the religion, oh, well, the religion says this and religion says that. But in ancient Igbo culture, women took wives. My language, Igbo, we do not have male and female pronouns. Everybody's they, them. Hmm. So that is the level of where our language is that mm. there's a reason for that why we don't have male masculine or feminine pronouns and gender in my language and many other indigenous languages where we just nobody's going to tell you that mm -hmm. so this goes back to this indoctrination of what's black is bad and then what's not religious is not good meanwhile jesus said zilch about homosexuality if we really want to go that far Right? I know it's not a religious show, but unfortunately, religion is one of the huge bases of classifying LGBT as immoral because, again, they're thinking about sex. Meanwhile, queer folks have toothaches, they have <laughs> headaches, they have heart attacks, they lose their bags at the store. They are normal people. Speak on it. It's about sex. Ugh, I'm going to get off my, I don't know. No, thank you, Dr. <laughs> we, we, need, we need to hear that. Honestly, because just hearing you speak, it's it's really it's really heartwarming to just hear a parent yeah. sort of speak in that way, it's especially a, a black parent, a Nigerian parent. It's just it's comforting to know that you're doing the work to, you know, reshape the narrative around how parents can show up for all of their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the next question is for you, Tony and Demond specifically, but are there any things that you wish growing <laughs> up that your parents would have done to support your queer identity better? Uh, Demond, you're shaking your head. Let's start <laughs> with you. I wish that they'd recognize that not talking about it doesn't make it go away. Hello? <laughs> okay. I remember when An I- An invisible I, cloak. Right. I've, I've <laughs> wow. talked about how I came out to my parents the night before I moved to New York. Yeah. My dad was cool. My mom was mm, less cool. And we did not mention it again for two years. Oh, my goodness. We didn't talk about it for two years. And that was only because they were coming to New York to meet. And my boyfriend at the time, we were going to spend Christmas with him. And so they, we had to address it. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing. I was just like, not acknowledging parts of myself is just as bad as condemning it. Yeah. And I think that that was the thing where I was just like, okay, y'all can keep playing. But like, it, it's not a phase. I'm not, or maybe it is the phase I was in may be different from who I am today, but, but just identifying in a way that is not the heteronormative thing that you may have expected from me. That's who I am. And yeah, it's that simple. Yeah. I mean, so I'm kind of parallel to the mind. Like I just wish that my parents knew how to talk to me, mm. how to start the conversation at all, how to create a space in which to have the dialogue and i didn't really get any of those conversations from them like not one conversation growing up from my mom or dad that was like on a serious side or just like really investigating i mean my mom tried to ask me one time about it and then i kind of told her like i was straight and then that was it i went off to college and came into my sexuality mm -hmm. but I just wish that they had the tools and that's what it comes back to for mm -hmm. me it's like i know that they didn't mm. And I don't blame them for it. 
and I'm just glad that present day, you know, I, I'm, I was able to have conversations with them in my twenties, late twenties and be in a better place with them now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, it's because it's so systemic and it's just passed down from generation to generation. No one has the tools. Mm-hmm. Their parents didn't have the tools. And so therefore how can they? Yeah. Right. I think, um, to add something a little bit different to the conversation, I think that I wish that um, I'll speak specifically about my mother. Um, I said that she's a very non-confrontational person. Mm-hmm. She kind of like, you know, avoids it at all costs. Very similar to me. <laughs> and I wish that growing up, my mother would have protected me against people who spoke to me disrespectfully. Mm. So people would call me sissy and mm-hmm. people will call me faggot adults um in front of my mom Mm-mm. and i felt like although my mother never used those words with me and i, I think there was an unspoken understanding that i wasn't straight mm-hmm. um my mother didn't stand up and condemn those adults mm-hmm. and i think that in the in the nineties and the early two thousands, I think to be a black ally is mm-hmm. kind of revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So you 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 kind of have to be able to withstand the backlash that you're going to get from your community for standing up for a homosexual child. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah I, really silence, silence I really needed violence. that. I really needed that. Yeah, right. I really needed that in that <laughs> moment because. Um, I didn't feel like I could protect myself mm-hmm. at that age. You can't. And, um, you shouldn't have to for adults. Yeah. I just wish that there was more like, there was a little bit more fervor, mm. um, in that, in that esteem. Um, so Dr. Lulu, um, you know, there, there are some parents who are listening and watching this episode and even some aspiring parents who are listening and watching, uh, I wanted to know if you have any parting advice that you would give to parents with regard to parenting queer children. Um, any things you think that they should particularly do and um, habits that you think that we should try to avoid, ones that are commonly upheld in our community, I guess. Um, so I love that someone already mentioned avoiding it doesn't make it go away. I think we should put that on the front doors of every African-American home or black black home, depending on what you are, just person of color home, whatever, whoever. Avoiding the conversation does not make it go away. Like has already been mentioned, I don't think we've talked about it you know, since I told my parents, I don't know how many years ago, but we, and we have to just tell the people that we feel that we should tell and then move on. Um, I want the parents to know though, that while it's kind of okay to think that your child might be queer and maybe want to ask badly, rather the question to ask yourself is why has my child not told me? Mm. Why has my child not shared, I prefer share, or invited me into their queer world mm-hmm. versus come out to me. And the answer, the true answer is all about safety. It's a safety factor. If your <clears throat> child doesn't feel like you're a safe person, your child ain't gonna share. Mm-hmm. And then hanging out with queer kids does not makes your child as queer as hanging out with straight kids makes your child straight. If you if you know, you know. Okay. So for those parents who think that your child is turning gay because their friends are gay, then why have they not turned straight from hanging out with straight kids? So just omit women to ask yourself that. Allyship is a verb. It is a doing word. It's not a spectator sport. So that means you're going to be an ally when I'm there and when I'm not there. You're going to be an ally whether you see me or you don't. You're going to be an ally when people are talking junk about me and when people are not talking junk about me. Becoming an ally for your child is the way forward and i love that you mentioned something about watching tv part of creating a safe space is first starting in your heart and create a safe space in your heart for any queer child period and then in your home it might be little pride flags it might be watching you know gender affirming tv you might be using gender affirming word i used to say well why you gotta be so gay about miss j I used to say that even as i was married to my ex-wife 
You know, it was just, it was just internalized homophobia, which I now know is like, a, I don't know, it's something that we do because we feel like we don't want to say something so that other people don't judge us. But now we know better, you know? Mm -hmm. People who mind don't matter. People who matter will never mind. And then last thing I wanted to say is, I love the word non-heterosexual. I don't like the word homosexual. And I know someone, I don't know all your names, someone had used that multiple times. Thank you for saying non-heterosexual versus homosexual. Try to maybe, maybe, maybe by using that versus homosexual. People people are afraid of the word homosexual. So use non-heterosexual. And then try to be more affirming, which means your child tells you that they're queer. Do not say, oh, I already knew. Don't dismiss it because you and I know that it takes a lot for mm -hmm. them to tell you. So my ABCs will be number one, accept, acknowledge, become aware. Number two, B, believe your child. C, create safe spaces. D, decide to, to accept your child. E, engage in open-ended questions mindfully. And F, feel all the feels. Do not run away from the emotions. Don't run away from all that because you know what? We've been socialized to think that being queer is bad, is negative, is abnormal, is, is you're going to hell. So it is okay for you to feel all the feels, but your child should not be part of your fears because the truth is what your child wants from you is not your fear, is not your fear. Take your fear to your gay friends. Take your fear to whoever. Don't take it to your child. Your child has enough to deal with already. You don't need that extra. Thank you all so much for the opportunity. Hang out and <laughs> hang on rather for my, my upcoming book is called Invited In, How to Become the Parent Your LGBTQ Plus Child Needs. It's gonna be dropping at the end of the month. Thank you so much for the space. I appreciate it so much. All right. Dr. Lulu, thank you so much for imparting the wealth <laughs> of knowledge with us, our listeners. I, you know, I aspire to be a parent someday and I'm like, I can't wait to listen to this episode over and actually have a pen and paper next time. Um, I know that you just um, talked about your book that are com that's coming out, but do you have any other way that you want to share with the audience that's listening or watching how they can stay in touch with you, how they can keep up with what you're doing? Um, any of those contact information or details, you can share those at this point. Thank you so much for not being selfish. I appreciate it. www.dr-lulu.com. So dr-lulu.com is my website. And my my Instagram, or rather all of my social media is the same. Dr. Lulu Talk Radio. So one of the <laughs> things that I like is um, I like people to know that it is okay to not have all the answers. It is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to say, you know what? I don't know. Teach me. It's okay to say, I got to go figure it out. Go do your research for once. I actually give you permission to do real research. And that doesn't mean watching one video. That means <laughs> literally looking at studies. Okay. Um, so I have a Monday evening parent support group. We meet virtually. And just this past week, I found a spot here in San Antonio where we're going to meet in person as well. It's called Parents of Queers Support Group. I have a podcast called Parents of Queers podcast. We haven't released any episodes yet because I'm still recording my first 10. I also have a Facebook community called Accepting, Supporting, and Affirming Your LGBTQ Child, I think. It's on Facebook. But really, I'm really most proud of my online course called Becoming the Parent Your Queer Child Needs. So it's a little bit different from the book, which is How to Become. This one is called Becoming. So please find them my energy is the same on this podcast as it is in the online course. My energy is the same. Every Monday evening when I meet with these parents, they come afraid, they come broken, they come ashamed. And we just tell them, you know what? It's okay to feel those feelings, but today you need to start stopping because your kid is okay. This is not a cancer diagnosis. This is not a death sentence. This is a child who is the same child they were yesterday. You just found out today that this is their agenda. And really, truly, with all of the anti-gay agenda, the question to ask yourself is which child in their right mind in today's world will say, let me see of all the things I can be. Mm. Let me be gay. It's impossible. <laughs> so remember that and be blessed as you do. Thank you.
Thank you, Dr. Lulu. And now all the listeners and viewers, you have all the information that you need okay. to stay informed and get get studied and smart on how to become an inclusive parent and a parent that's actually making an impact, a positive impact on queer children. And that's all the time that we have this week. This season, we're raising money for the Ali Forney Center, an organization committed to protecting LGBTQIA youths from homelessness and empowering them to live independently. One of the ways you can help is by joining our surface level small talk conversation on Tuesday, July 26. Small Talk is a live audio platform where you can join an intimate discussion with us. 100% of the tips that we receive will go directly to the Ali Forney Center. For details on how to RSVP for the Small Talk discussion, visit surfacelevelpodcast.com and remember, stay curious.